Welcome to the Did You Know podcast by Verisource, where we interview founders and executives at amazing technology companies that can help your business save time and money and grow, especially bring awareness to smarter, better, faster solutions that can transform your business. Hello, everyone. This is Victor with Verisource. Welcome to another episode of the uh, Did You Know podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Ali Ansari, who is the uh, CEO and founder of Micro One with us. Uh, Micro One helps you hire and manage pre-vetted software engineers globally easily. Welcome to the show, Ali. Thank you, Victor. Excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to uh, to talk to you. So uh, why don't you uh, give us a little bit about your, your background and your founder story for maybe the audience that uh, don't know you? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in Iran, moved to the U.S. when I was 10 years old, uh, started a few companies previous to Micro One. But when I was at Berkeley studying computer science and math, I started Micro One, which is a company that helps other companies hire world-class software engineers powered by AI. So essentially, let's say if you're looking for a React engineer, you can come to us and get profiles that are ready to interview within 24 hours and onboard them the same day or the next day. And then once you onboard them, you can manage them. That means manage compliance, payroll, you know, track their hours, et cetera, on our Micro One dashboard. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and, and what we do at Micro One. Yeah, so you were a, or you are, and you were a developer yourself. So I'm sure you know kind of the pain. Um, but and look, you know, there are so many things we'll, we'll talk about um, in, in this session. But what made you want to go after this specific uh, problem? You think? Yeah. So uh, there's a few things. Uh, first, first off, I, when I started at Berkeley, I started a software development agency, and that was uh, it was called Moontech. It was more of a typical, you know, project based agency where we build web applications and apps for other companies. And when I was building that company, I got really good at building a remote team, and specifically a remote team of engineers. So I kind of understood the ins and outs pretty well. And then also a really common request we would get from our clients at the agency was, hey, can we hire some of your engineers directly? Uh, you know, like, like I said, the work that we did was project-based and Project base is really good for an MVP or for, you know, one or two sprints. But after that, you really want to build an engineering team in-house. So I decided to experiment with this model on the side. And, you know, that, that experience was called Micro One. And long story short, uh, decided to fully focus on that. It's a much more scalable business model for us. And uh, we can, you know, impact many more companies. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's kind of how Micro One started. Yeah, no, that is that is awesome. So, um, you know, for those for a lot of company who are software companies, they they obviously think of they know that, you know, hiring developers uh, can be very expensive. If they try to hire, you know, hire overseas, it's, it's very hard to manage, uh, you know, not only on a day to day management perspective, but also just the hiring and the paperwork and taxes and just all of those things that go goes into hiring somebody uh, remotely. Right. So, I mean, and you've been in an agency yourself, meaning you manage these um, developers and all those process as a company. So what are some of the typical challenges that companies face when they try to hire software engineers uh, in general, you think? Yeah, hiring globally, hiring a global engineering team is, is pretty difficult. First off, you have to, you know, if, if you're doing globally, which you should be, you're sourcing and vetting from a really large talent pool. And that takes a lot of time. Um, and then once you source and vet the right engineer, you then have to figure out 
how do I actually compliantly hire this person? And if you're hiring, you know, in, in many different countries, then in some cases you have to have entities in those countries to compliantly hire those engineers. And that becomes, you know, an ex extremely large headache with lots of paperwork, et cetera. And then once you've compliantly hired them, you now have to figure out, okay, what payroll platform should I use? What, uh, you know, tracking hours platform should I use for the performance and to retain the talent and all of that. And what, what Micro One does is basically combines all of that into one place where you can hire, manage, and retain global software engineers, you know, all in one. So do you feel like um, you you guys are more trying to help on, uh, obviously you guys can do both, right? As far as helping finding the, these developers or uh, what if companies already have those developers internationally? Can they just use maybe the people management part of the platform to manage those uh, developers? Is that possible as well? Or because you have two sides to the business. Do you feel like uh, you, you're, you know, cater one to the other or both are kind of, what's kind of that vision? I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a product exactly for that. It's called COR, which stands for contractor of record. And so it's, 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 it's exactly what you just said. If you've sourced and vetted an engineer, you know, let's say somewhere in Europe or a country that, that you're not in and you're, you're trying to figure out how do I compliantly onboard this engineer, you can use the micro one COR platform to do that. So it's, it's, it's basically the all of the value as a micro one without the sourcing and vetting because you know you've done the sourcing and vetting for those uh, specific engineers so you know you talked about using ai which we'll come back to in a little bit that's obviously a hot topic for every industry right but um how do you again you know for those that have hired uh, you know, developers uh, or resources internationally know that there is a huge talent pool, but it's also uh, because there's so much, you know, people to choose from and in so many countries, it's hard to figure out when you talk about the top 1%, right? So how do you guys determine uh, when you're talking about vetting the top 1% of engineer? What, what kind of goes into it, this whole overall process? Yeah, so we, we have a, a pretty robust vetting process. And just, just to preface, we get thousands of applications a week. So, you know, we, we have a large number of applications that come in, sort of the, the top of the funnel, and we have to pre-screen all of them, or at least we have to try to pre-screen all of them. So we've developed this cool tool called uh, GPT Vetting, which is basically a technical vetting uh, platform that allows us to assess engineers with just a 15-minute test. And it's powered by GPT-4, Whisper, you know, and, and, and a few other things. And what that allows us to do is assess a large pool of candidates and then pick from the ones that do well to actually go through a manual interview process. So once, once the candidates pass our GPT vetting test, then we do one soft skills round to assess their communication, passion, attitude, et cetera. And then we do one to two technical rounds with our core team uh, lead engineers. And usually it's one technical round, but for some, some of the more sort of deep tech technologies, like some AI engineer, ML engineer, then for those, we usually do two rounds. And then once the candidate passes all of that, we then certify them and they become part of our talent pool. And right now, we, like I said, we get thousands of applications a week and we have uh, only about 400 engineers in our talent pool. So we're really, really handpicking and robustly vetting every single engineer that joins 
And do these companies are able to hire these develop, like you said, these vetted developers? Is it you know for projects at a time, for weeks at a time, months at a time? Uh, it's very, it's quite flexible. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So we we usually go for long term engagements. What we kind of uh, tell our clients is that when you're hiring a micro one engineer, it's really no different than hiring a full time sort of direct hire that you want to have for a long time. So those are usually the engagements we go for. Um, for shorter term engagements, we, we also have Microlab, which is kind of the, the agency side of our business. So if you're looking for something project-based, maybe it's a month or two, maybe it's a quick MVP you're putting together, then Microlab could, could be a good option as well. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of staffing agencies uh, out there. Uh, so how do you feel like, you know, you guys compete or different or better uh, compared to maybe traditional uh, methodologies where these companies might be looking at uh, staffing agencies to help them find, you know, engineers. What do you think? Yeah, so there's a couple things. First first thing I'd say is, is the fact that we're combining the hire and management aspects together in one platform. So usually typical, you know, staffing companies or talent as a service companies, they help you find pre-vetted talent globally. But then once once they've sort of sourced and vetted and matched, then then you're kind of on your own. But with Micro One, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you're able to actually manage that talent on our dashboard, and you get a dedicated customer success manager to help you out with anything that you need. So so that's that's one. And then the second is we we're able to vet talent at scale using GPT vetting, which naturally gives us you know absolutely the best talent in the world. So, you know, usually, as we know, hiring developers in general is is pretty expensive. Uh, obviously, inter- hiring internationally are going to be, you know, more cost effective. But just in the overall grand scheme of, you know, companies looking to hire the, the best, you know, uh, uh, good engineers available, how do you guys help with ROI or cost savings, uh, that kind of use case um, yeah, for engineering so- managers? Yeah, so the if you look at the U.S., you know, compared to, to U.S. wages, in the U.S. to to get a you know, superstar engineer that is willing to work incredibly long hours at your at your startup, you're looking to pay at least you know ten to fifteen k a month. That's that's sort of the range, and for the talent pool that that is global, in in most countries, like the the average range for Micro One is six to eight k a month. And these are both for full-time engineers, of course. So you're looking at almost half the cost, and in a lot of cases, higher quality development and people that are that are working extremely hard. So the ROI, you know, in, in terms of that, is you're you're paying half, so you're naturally proportionally doubling your ROI. So as far as managing these uh, developers, you know, obviously time zone could be a challenge or just uh, what maybe is a little bit language barrier uh, or even just uh, do, are, is it still expected for the, the company themselves to obviously uh, manage these developers or what part of it are, is Micro One uh, helping with the management side? Yeah, so the engagements we go for is uh, companies that are looking to add to their in- existing engineering team. Usually those are the, the clients that we have. They're, they're looking to 
sort of dynamically and quickly scale up their engineering bandwidth. And so they're managing the engineers. They're, they usually have engineering managers and they're managing the day-to-day -day sprints and all of that. Um, and what we manage is, is you could think of it as the HR side of things. So they don't have to worry about the compliance, payroll, benefits, none of that. And But but the actual day-to-day -day sprints, they, they manage. And for, for people that are looking for a fully managed solution, you know, from design, development, testing, and launch, then Microlab would be a better option. Where you come to us, you tell us your scope, what, what your vision is for your MVP, and then we just develop it, design it, develop it, test it, and launch it all for you. And, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a collaborative process, but, but you're pretty hands-off uh, in terms of the day-to-day managements. So are there specific uh, languages that uh, is a front end back end? Is there a certain technology you guys more focus on? Because there's so many different frameworks and uh, coding languages. Are there certain ones that you guys specialize in that people should be aware of? Yeah, a really common tech stack that of, an, of engineers that we have is a, a full stack engineer that is uh, an expert in React, Node, and then uses AWS as sort of the back end infrastructure. So that that's a... That, that I would say is the most common tech stack that we have. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of AI engineers, like, uh, you know, people that are, uh, there, there's a difference between AI engineers that, that actually, uh, you know, studied ML and, and people that are building on top of GPT-4. So we, we have both of those engineers as well. But I would say the most common sort of web application tech stack is React front-end, back-end node with uh, AWS. And then for, for uh, phone applications, iOS, uh, we work a lot with React Native engineers as well. Nice. So, you know, obviously AI, as we all know, the last six months, uh, more has happened in the last six months, oddly, than in the last uh, six years, right? And, uh, you know, every day there's just new innovation. It's like such an amazing time to, to you know, be in. But um, you obviously talked a lot about GPT, I think vetting, I think you called it. Yeah. How did you kind of come up with this concept and how did you kind of get into it? Because GPT, uh, obviously, you know, OpenAI has been around for, you know, a couple of years, but really started taking off in the last six months to nine months, right, with ChatGPT and everything. So how did you kind of think about integrating or utilizing this new technology to, to do the vetting? Like what made you come up with it and why is it better than maybe other methodologies traditionally? Yeah, great question. So I think, uh, well, first off, we came up with it because we're, we're always looking for ways to improve what I call our recruitment engine. You know, MicroOne at its core is a recruitment engine. And the, the main part of that recruitment engine is how we vet candidates. Of course, there's the sourcing and all of that, but, but really the core of it is how we vet candidates. And are we able to vet candidates at scale? And so th this is why we, we came up with GPT vetting. We, we actually came up with it for us to use internally. And then we realized that uh, a lot of clients want to also use this for their own vetting process. And so we released it as a, uh, a free beta tool that clients can use as well. Um, basically, the way that it works, and this kind of goes into why it's, it's better than uh, you know, previous tools, is you send a link to a candidate. They... They go to that link, they fill out their basic details, like, you know, what's their name, what's their tech stack, how many years of experience, et cetera. And then they, um, they, tell us the, they tell us their top three tech stacks. So, you know, what is their top three focused tech stacks? So they say maybe, let's say React, Node.js, Python. 
And then they also rate themselves on each tech stack. So they could say, maybe I'm a mid-level in Python, I'm a senior in React, and then a, a junior in Node. And what we do is we send the combination of tech stacks plus ratings per tech stack, essentially a self-assessment per tech stack, to GPT-4, and we generate real-time interview questions based on the expertise level of the candidate. And then the candidate answers the questions using voice, and we have a proctoring uh, system we've built to prevent cheating as well as they're going through this. But they answer each question using voice, and there's two questions per tech stack. And then once all the questions are answered in less than 15 minutes, we send that data back to GPT-4, and we prompt it for a robust assessment on not only the tech stack, but also soft skills. So the report that you get for each candidate is a rating per technology. So it'll give you a, a rating for React, a rating for Node and, and Python. And then it will explain the rating. And then at the end, it will also give you a, a, a soft skills assessment. And then, and then on the last page, what you see is what's called the trust score. So this is based on the video-based data that we have on our proctoring as well as you know, tab movements and things like that, which gives you a trust score out of 100 to determine the probability that this candidate cheated. And so you can use that to determine whether or not you'd like to move forward with an interview. And, and the reason why this is you know, pr profoundly different than regular uh, you know, old technical vetting tools is you're, you're, not, only, you're not only getting real-time interview questions that are randomized based on the expertise level and tech stack, but you're also getting a full assessment of the answers versus having to read the answers and then assess it yourself. So you're, you're getting an assessment done by AI and you can just decide whether or not you want to move forward with that candidate or not. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I, I just love um, seeing entrepreneurs and, and, you know, founders. And I think that's why people start businesses, right? Because you have AI and all these amazing tools available. Uh, but it's all about if, if, if AI is now democratized for everybody, how do you leverage AI differently uh, to do things cheaper, better, faster? And, uh, you know, I love kind of how you implemented that um, in short period of time to uh, disrupt kind of this vetting process, right? And uh, yeah, no, I think I think it's uh, it gives your uh, platform that much more more uh, a value. So, yeah, you know, I, if I also, was on the end, yeah. so, sorry to cut mm -hmm. you off. One, one thing I'll add there is, is uh, the one of the issues with sort of old technical vetting tools is that they're quite long, and there's a sort of a, a, a large stigma towards them from the developer community. Like developers usually don't love when companies say, hey, go take this test that's an hour or two hours long before we move on to the next round of interviews. There's there's basically a lot of stigma towards that. So the fact that this test is only 15 minutes, it makes a huge difference for that, that stigma and, and it increases the, the likelihood that an engineer will actually take the test once you send it to them. So I think this is a really important point for you know the, the developer community um, as well. Yeah, so that actually goes into what I was going to ask you next, which is, um, you know, if I like why. So 
Why do you think you've been able to get such a, you know, from the funnel side of a lot of developers interested in being on the platform? Of course, they want, you know, jobs, of course, that that makes sense. But at the same time, uh, you know, you've kind of, you know, there's something uh, that you've done well that you all these people do want to be on the platform, uh, which means you ha- you can uh, find the best talent. So wh- if I was engineer, why would I want to be on your platform? Yeah, so th- there's certainly, you know, like you said, obviously you, you get matched with great U.S. companies. That's that's kind of the obvious part of it. But but I think uh, the more subtle part of why you want to become a Micro One certified engineer is there's a, there's a community aspect to it. Uh, once you become a Micro One certified engineer, you're certified for life. And once you're, let's say you're working with the client A, and after a year you want to sort of switch, switch the, the role and uh, experience with something new, we help you find that replacement. So it's kind of a lifelong uh, community slash membership once you're pre-vetted and certified by Micro One. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think that, that community aspect of it is, is great for engineers. And we also have a lot of uh, sort of free resources for engineers that allows us to get these applications. One of them is we have a Udemy course on uh, on how to become an AI-powered engineer that basically teaches you ChatGPT get up copilot labs and we have about 10,000 almost 10,000 students on that course a lot of which you know find out about micro one and, and they apply to to become a micro one certified engineer yeah no that is uh that is amazing and again we're super excited to to partner with you so to kind of finish off you know this uh this conversation um where do you think in the next 12 months or 24 months uh, the evolution of what you guys are going to be doing, and, and where do you think the AI capabilities uh, are going to go? And and the second part to that is a lot of developers are obviously uh, maybe concerned, right, about AI because you have Copilot. They're afraid that AI eventually is going to do the coding and do their job, right? And so what you you kind of have a business yet you're a developer too. So I think you have such an interesting viewpoint into this. Right. So I'd love to kind of get your thought as kind of the closing statement. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a little funny because pe- people always thought that like software engineers and, and artists are probably the last to go. And, and it seems like they're kind of the, the first. But, but but I think that that's not how I would look at it. It's kind of a joke when I say that. I think when I look at engineers now, it's it's more of a you, you're, you're simply creating a higher level language. So what, what I mean by that is. You know, if you look at like when programming started in the super early days, you know, zeros and ones, and then you get into like assembly, then you go to like C, C++, and then you get to languages like Python, which is really high level and like pretty easy to code in. It's like kind of similar to English. Like you literally say, you know, if, and then do this, like those are like if statements. And and, and now the way I look at it is ChatGPT and a lot of these AI platforms, they're, they're simply the next level and higher level programming. So programming is, is sort of in English now. Um, obviously, it's, that's, it's not an entirely accurate statement when you say programming is English, but it, it's sort of getting there. And, and I think the, this, this, this simply makes, this, it makes it easier to tell the computer what to do. But for you to tell the computer what to do, you still need to define logic. Whether, whether that logic is in English or Python or C Sharp, it doesn't really matter. What what the, the profound part of programming is coming up with that logic, so I think that's what that's way that I, that I look at it. It's simply a tool for programmers to become faster at defining the logic 
in the computer terms once they've architected that logic. And where do you think, obviously, again, the, the you know, uh, evolution of AI in the last six months is like every week there's new breakthroughs, right? It's just amazing. The pace of innovation is incredible. So where do you see in the next one to two years, maybe in the AI space, but then also for your business, for Micro One, where do you think AI can help take it, uh, uh, you know, in the next year or two? Yeah, so I, I think the, the there certainly has been a breakthrough now with, you know, GPT-4. But I think if you look at like the history of breakthroughs, there isn't, it's not often where there's a breakthrough and then there's another one right after and then another one right after. There's usually a, a, a you know, a technology cycle that, that uh, when a certain breakthrough happens, it's usually a few years before another one. So I think right now w- w- what people are thinking is that there's, there's a sort of infinite number of breakthroughs that are going to happen because of this large language models. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that we're, the, the improvements now are going to be sort of iterative as they have been for, for example, when the internet breakthrough happened. When the first version of the internet came out, there wasn't, you know, 10 breakthroughs after. It was more of an iterative sort of improvement year over year. So I think this is sort of how, how, uh, how it's going to be with language models and AI in general as well. But in terms of the next 12 months for, for us, we're just going to be continuing to improve GPT vetting, making, uh, making the tool really, really accurate and, and really good for us internally and then for our clients as well. Um, so yeah, if, you know, if anyone's interested in, in using it, it's, it's free. You can, you can just sign up on, on microone.ai slash GPT vetting um, and just use it for yourself, uh, for any candidates that, that you want to vet. And then if you want us to help you hire pre-vetted software engineers, then, then we could do that as well. That is a, no, that's incredible that you're, you're offering that platform. So the last question we always ask uh, every guest is you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Uh, I can tell your mind's always moving just like a lot of other serial entrepreneurs. If you have to give one advice, Ali, whether it's a personal advice or a business advice that you're maybe passionate about, um, what do you think that would be? Um, I think I would say perhaps passion is overrated. I think a lot of people give the advice of like, do something you're passionate about. And I, and I think that statement is a little bit empty because if you're, if you're not really passionate about anything or you can't pinpoint something, then, then like, what do you do now? So I think instead of thinking about something you're passionate about, perhaps just experiments with things and you can build passion. So like when I, for example, when I started the agency, you know, I wasn't particularly passionate about starting agency, you know, like I didn't think about it when I was a little kid, oh, I'm going to start an agency and, you know, do, do this with AI tools. But, but that, that passion built over time, you know, once we get customers, once we, we, we make a couple engineers' lives a lot better, we build some cool tools, it, it's like a feedback loop of passion building. So I would say just experiment with things, you know, just, just, just work hard and passion for things will build up. Yeah, I I, uh, I love that advice, and um, yeah, I think that loop of uh, customer satisfaction—you know, seeing what you create, provide—helps uh, other people. I think gives you that continuous loop to build that uh, passion. So, no incredible uh, tip. And uh, again, we're super excited to partner with you guys. We're all about you know partnering with companies that can help give customer cheaper, better, faster, easier. 
game-changing solutions. So uh, thanks for being with us. That was an amazing episode of the Did You Know podcast with Verisource. Hope you enjoyed it and got some great insights from it. Make sure you follow us on social media for the next episode. And if you want to get the best deals from the guest today, make sure to send us a message at sales at verisource.com.